Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. this morning, we're going to hear a powerful, powerful short message here from some of our movement youth. So go ahead, be seated, turn your eyes to the stage and prepare your heart. Good morning. <laughs> I might be a new face to some of you. My name is Sierra Vance, and I am a senior at Clarksville High School. Today, I'm going to be sharing a message with you guys with the help from my friends, Molly Bloker and Maya Baker, who are both sophomores at Clarksville. Together, all three of us have grown so much in our faith, and we actually have started a Bible study called All for Jesus. So a little while back, I listened to a sermon by Stephen Furtick called Devil You've Held Me Long Enough. It spoke so much to me and I could not get this message off my heart. There were so many nights where I would just be laying in bed awake thinking of this message. Again, during the day I was thinking about this message and I felt God put such a strong urge on my heart. And that urge was to share this message. So a couple weeks ago, I stepped way out of my comfort zone and shared this message with the youth, and Pastor Madison contacted me and asked if we would want to give this message to you guys. So I said, of course. Now let's get into the actual message. I will be quoting a few verses from John chapter 8. First, I'm going to start off by saying, the devil has held you long enough. Let me say it one more time so we can sink in. The devil has held you long enough. He operates by saying things that sound true, and he says it in a way that we can't even tell it's him saying it. It sounds like our voice, and it's the same as when God is speaking to us because it's happening inside of us. It's the devil's job to keep us from knowing the truth. John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth comes from God. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you are stuck in a belief about who you were or what life's about that just wasn't true? Has the devil held you long enough? In John 8:31, Jesus is talking to the Jews that believed him. He is saying that they believed in his signs, but they didn't commit to his teaching. This shows us that it is possible to believe, but still not be free. John 8 verses 31 and 32 explain that you either shrink your beliefs down to the level of your experience or you allow God to expand your belief to the level of his promise. Sometimes we don't want to hold to the teaching of Jesus because that means we have to confront ourselves. Sometimes a lie sounds so true that we can't even tell it's a lie. Let me show you something. This is the truth the word of God. Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. It's not the word that we hear preached that sets us free. It's the word that we hold to and that we practice that sets us free. You have to hold it to know it. Now, there are so many people that can't hold to the truth, and we wonder why that is. It is really hard to hold the truth holding on to trash. We, look, sorry. Let me give you an example that some of us might be able to relate to because I know I used to. It's really hard to hear from the Holy Spirit when we spend six hours a day scrolling on social media listen to this you can't hold the truth and the trash so what are we gonna do 
we need freedom, and only God knows what we need freedom from. Personally, I used to scroll for hours and hours on TikTok, and I would get in a cycle of comparing myself to others or seeing a cute couple and wondering, why don't I have that? What have I done wrong? This would go through my head for hours every single day. It was so toxic, and God saw that I needed freedom from that, so I deleted the app. Now, instead of scrolling for hours a day on TikTok, I'm spending hours a day in God's word. Jesus sets you free as you hold to his teaching. Watch this. Do you see what she just did? At the very last second when I threw her the truth, she dropped the trash to hold the truth. The devil has held you long enough. The problem is, is that you thought this was true because the devil lied to you. He can convince you that you are trash. Or for another example, he can convince you that the reason someone left you was because you lacked something. Before you know it, you are treasuring the trash before the truth because it's familiar. The Lord is calling you to freedom today. The devil has held you long enough. A sermon can't set you free but decisions do. I'm going to end with this. You can't see it, but God does. You are not trash, you just need the truth. Don't help the devil by collecting lies to support what he's told you. I dare you to delete the app. I dare you to block the number of the Snapchat. I dare you to drop it. The devil has held you long enough and he can't do it forever. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be set free as you hold to the teaching. Stop holding the trash. Trade the trash for truth. You have to decide that it has been long enough. You are not trash or bad. You are just deceived. Please join me in prayer. God, we have decided that it has been long enough. We are ready to trade the trash for truth. God, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and we need you. Lord, I pray that all of us in this room can learn to tune our hearts to truth. We pray that we can start our days in prayer with you or in your word. Your word is the truth, and we are holding on to it. We have been held long enough. Now it's time for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Like, are you kidding me? What better way to set up a message than that? Like she said, she gave it a couple weeks ago, this message at youth, and Pastor Jonathan was like, you've got to get that girl on a Sunday morning to deliver that message. So Sierra, Molly, Maya, they are youth students, and they just started coming a couple months ago, but they are on fire. I am telling you, they started that Bible study. They're getting baptized in a couple weeks. Come on, that's awesome. So proud of them. So as you may know, we're going through a series that's taking us through the book of Proverbs, and if you missed it last week, Pastor Jonathan preached a powerful, powerful message. If you did miss it, go to Facebook, YouTube, uh, Spotify, take a listen. But it was really funny because, as some of you may know, Tyler and I just had a little baby girl a couple months ago, Miss Hazel May. There she is, Simba style. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we just had her a couple months ago, and it was actually last Sunday when Pastor was preaching that message. I was sitting here with Tyler, and our little girl was a little chunk, if you, if you can't tell. And so she was ravenous, and she wanted something to eat. So I asked Tyler, hey, can you screw, like, the nipple on the bottle so I can feed her? So he does that, and I start feeding her, and I notice that she is downing this bottle at an astounding rate. I'm like, this is like a world record. And then I notice that the front of her outfit is completely soaked, and then I feel the back of her outfit, and it is completely soaked, and then I feel my pants, and they're completely soaked, and then I realized that my husband did not screw it on all the way, so I just gave my daughter a milk bath. So, Tyler always brings Hazel on a Sunday morning, because I have to be here early, so he is in charge of the diaper bag, okay? I just want to put that out there. He's in charge of the diaper bag. So, 
I told him, you know what, take her out. She needs a new outfit. Go put the new outfit on. So he takes her out, and I'm sitting in here waiting and waiting, and they're not coming back. And I sent him a text. Yes, I texted in church, Pastor Jonathan and God, please forgive me. I texted him, and I said, hey, do you have the new outfit on there, on her? And uh, he said, I didn't bring one. And I said, okay, it's fine. You know, just wrap her in a blanket. It's fine. And he said, I don't have a blanket. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? So I, go, I went out there. I tried to find him. And honestly, I was kind of upset. Like, I was kind of mad. I was irritated. So Tyler ended up taking her little diaper butt to my office. And they watched the service on the phone for the whole time. And then I came in here and sat with um, pants smelling like milk the whole time. So that was fun. And I was kind of angry. I was kind of mad. And then I walked through these doors and I sit. And guess what Pastor Jonathan's preaching about? <laughs> Anger. So I said, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but, yeah, so I texted Tyler. I said, hey, I appreciate you, uh, and I love you. But it's safe to say that we are not perfect parents. And that story leads perfectly into what we're going to be talking about today, which is parenting. And before you tune me out thinking you've only had a daughter for two months, just wait. I know I've only had a daughter for two months, but I'm also the college and youth pastor of this church. And y'all are sending your students on a Wednesday night, and I'm learning all kinds of things about parenting. So, for real, I know a lot about their, their breakups and their home life situations, their absences from school, and I am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination at all, but I did feel like God had a message for you today about this subject. And if you are not a parent in this room, do not tune me out either, okay, because you're going to take away valuable nuggets of wisdom as well that you're going to apply to your life today, all right? Let's go ahead and pray before we dive in. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to just be in your presence together, that we can worship you together. I just pray that for this whole message, I would just get out of the way and that you would just do a work through me, God, uh, that I would deliver this message with joy and that your spirit would just move through me and touch the lives, the hearts, the minds of the people in this room. Let your spirit rest in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So like I said, a little over two months ago, we had our uh, sweet daughter, little Hazel May. There's going to be a picture that pops up. Uh, everybody say, aw, so cute. Those are not marshmallows stuffed inside her cheeks. They're really just that squishy. Um, but this, these pictures are from her baby dedication that she had a couple weeks ago. And we love her to death. We really do. But it really is true that you cannot fully prepare for what parenthood will be. Every situation is different. Every baby is different. And you spend nine months knowing that you're about to change everything about your life, that your family dynamic is going to change for, for, for forever. But you don't really know how that change is going to feel until you do it and you live it. And after I, ha I had Hazel that first week, I felt like Superwoman. I was doing everything. I was on cloud nine. It was around Christmas time, so we were going to all these different places, and it was so exciting. But then week two hit, and my husband Tyler went back to work. And honestly, I felt so alone. Parenting can sometimes just feel really lonely. And I remember the stress of trying to figure out, you know, what in the heck I was doing and Googling everything under the sun with whatever questions popping in my mind. A side note for new moms, don't do that. It's not going to be good. But I remember this anxiousness that I felt. And my hormones tanked and then the sleep deprivation caught up to me. And I started to have real true fear. Like, is she okay? Am I doing this right? What if something bad happens? What if, what if, what if? And I think as parents, we can do that, right? Even as kids, we do that, just as people. Our minds can go a thousand places, whether our kids are toddlers or teens, and we wonder, what if, what if, what if? But when we begin to do that, we've got to stop ourselves and replace those worries and those fears and those made-up scenarios with what is actually true. And the truth is that our kids are not ours. Our kids are on loan to us from God. So we got to drop that trash for truth, like Sierra said. In Proverbs 16.33, it tells us the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So what does that mean? It means that we commit our decisions to God and trust that he has them in his hands. It means that our kids are in much stronger hands than our own. God gives us the opportunity to raise his children. But the problem is that there's almost a culture expectation of worry in our world. We're told that in order to be a good parent, we got to worry about our kids, right? That's how we're expected to show that we care. 
So we worry that they're not eating right, that they're eating too much or too little, that they don't have enough friends, that they have too many friends uh, that are wrong, they don't have the right clothes or the right attitude. You worry that their grades aren't high enough, that their backpacks are too heavy, that they aren't having enough fun in school, that they're having too much fun in school, that they don't believe in themselves or they don't appreciate the value of a dollar. We worry that they're being bullied, that they're bullying somebody else, they're falling behind educationally, they're not being challenged, they'll miss out on opportunities. The problem is that a lot of the time, this worrying leads to control. But if God doesn't control us, why do we think that we have the right to control people who belong to him and not us? Parental worry doesn't make anyone happier or more successful or safer. It never gave anybody a sense of purpose or calling or identity. It never turned a happy child into a responsible adult. The solution is obviously not to stop caring for our kids, right? We have every right to be passionately caring for our kids. We're right to guide them to the truth and pray that they embrace that truth. But we are not right to try and control them, to take you know, ownership of their life, pushing them to do and achieve things because we want them to. They all belong to God, who has simply called us to care for his kids and guide them toward his love. In Proverbs 1, 8 through 10, it's King Solomon writing here, and he's talking to his kids. And he says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And then the first instruction that King Solomon gives is about encouraging his child to resist the temptation of sin. Okay, that's the first thing he says. He says, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. And then in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So from these two passages, we should have a realization that the primary goal of parenting isn't that we raise children who are super successful and who contribute to society in some grand worldly way, but that we raise children who know God. That is true wisdom. They remind us that God's path and his presence is much more important than worldly success. And I had a few people ask me when I was pregnant with Hazel, you know, what do you want for her? Like, what do you see for her future? What plans do you have for her? And honestly, my prayer and my desire the whole time has been that she knows God and that she loves God, and that's it. And as an achiever, I've learned that anything that is gained through worldly accomplishment or achievement pales in comparison to the joy we have when we know the love of God, we accept the love of God, and then we show the love of God to, others, uh, to other people. That is what I want for my daughter, and that is what you should want for your kids. So celebrate your kids' accomplishments. Celebrate that they made it to state wrestling, that they crushed their dance recital, that they got straight A's. But don't tie those accomplishments to their identity because their identity is that they are a child of God. So what would it look like if we stopped trying to live vicariously through our kids and instead let the light of God shine through them so that they can live into who he has called them to be? I tell this to my students all the time. People aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are because here's why. They're thinking about themselves. We need to stop worrying about how our kids or our families or ourselves are appearing in other people's eyes and instead start focusing on how our father sees us. So parents, it is your job to point your children towards God, to his love, not through religion or rules or control, but through relationship. And a relationship with God begins with knowing the love that Christ has for us. But here's the deal. We cannot teach our kids anything about the love of God if we do not love him ourselves. And too many parents want to teach their kids about godliness by sending them to church or Christian school or youth group, which you should do every Wednesday night. But they themselves live ungodly or immoral lifestyles. But the truth is that we reproduce what we are, not what we say. So parents, stop trying to fix everything about your kids and instead look inward. Look at your own life. Look at your marriage. Sin entered the world through the first married couple before they even had kids, okay? Adam and Eve. And their son ended up murdering their other son. Their actions, the actions of the parents, affected their kids. And I cannot even begin to tell you how many kids I have had come talk to me who are broken and hurting because of the deep wounds of a bad marriage from their parents. So single people, Pastor Jonathan preached on it a couple weeks ago. Don't settle into a relationship or overlook the red flags or annoyances that you have now about a relationship because they're not going to magically go away once you're married, okay? And 
So you have to be diligent about being in a relationship where you're both pushing each other towards Christ. Because your marriage is going to 1,000% impact your kids. I can guarantee it. And if you don't like each other now, you're not going to like each other with kids. So I remember when I was in school and my English teacher, she asked us a question. She said, when did you guys realize that you were starting to grow up? When did you realize that you're starting to grow up? And she shared with us that she realized that she was growing up when she realized her parents weren't perfect. And that rocked my world. I thought, my parents aren't perfect. My parents make mistakes. Because as a kid, you believe that your parents are there to protect you, to provide for you, to care for you. They should be your safe place that you feel that you can rely on and lean into. But because of that, it's easy for kids to think that their parents never make mistakes or mess up on their own. That's part of the reason why when a dad leaves the family or a mom has an addiction, the child thinks it's their fault. Because how could their parent, the person who is really supposed to be their whole world, their provider, how could they possibly just make this mistake on their own? So they take it upon themselves. They take the blame for the sinfulness of their parents, and then that shame and that hurt and that brokenness can become their identity. And as I was processing this message, I talked to PG, who again is in the room, our children's pastor, who has a doctorate in parenting, so he should be the one probably giving this message. But I talked to him, and he shared, me, um, shared with me his situation and some details about when he was uh, being brought up. He said, every child that I've talked to whose family was navigating rough waters believed that it was their fault. My dad fought with mental illness and alcoholism that destroyed his marriage and our family. I have dis discussed this with uh, each of my eight siblings, and every single one of us felt that the breakdown and divorce was our fault. But here's, here's reality. We all start off our marriages thinking that they're going to look a certain way. And for some of you, your marriages have exceeded all your wildest dreams. But for others of you, you feel like you missed the mark, and your marriage isn't what you thought it would be. And now you're raising these kids in this environment, and you're worried um, about you and your marriage and how this marriage is going to impact the kids, and some of your stories are complex, and I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like I know your situation or your circumstances, but I do know that there's good news. We all have the ability to stop that cycle for our kids, and students, you have the ability to stop that cycle for yourself. And here's the good news. We have a big, graceful God who knew there would be the brokenness that we're experiencing. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross to pay for our sins. And a graceful God sees all his children and wants the best for them. And you want to know what is best for them? He is. He is the best for them. So if your marriage seems impossible to get right, communicate with your kids how much love their heavenly father has for them. Tell them that the mistakes of an earthly father or earthly mother are not their fault. Communicate to them the, the truth and reality of sin, but then tell them about a heavenly father. Talk to them about how they have an unfailing father, a loving father, a caring father, a father who would never hurt them or forsake them or abandon them, a father who is perfect. Our heavenly father is the perfect parent. We are not. Because here's a fact, we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fail, but luckily for us, we aren't the perfect parent. God is. And some of you today in this room, you need to surrender that desire to be that for your kids. Stop painting the picture that you have all the answers and that you're the perfect parent because you're not. And you're going to fail. Instead, point them to their heavenly father. Doesn't leave them. Doesn't forsake them. He's not going to fail them. Point them to the perfect parent. So how do you do that? What does that look like practically? Let your kids know that their identity is that they are a child of God, not in the accomplishments that they have or the shame or brokenness they feel from a broken home. Tell them about the love God has for them. Tell them that they're beautifully, wonderfully created and that God has good things in store. How else can you do it? Start following God truly yourself. I don't mean just showing up on a Sunday morning. I mean truly following and seeking after who God is. Start a devotional time on your own or with your spouse. I know for me, when I was going through that rough postpartum season, Tyler and I started doing a devotional together, and it brought so much peace and healing to me. And don't ever forget that you are a child of God yourself. So whether you're 82, 52, 12, you are not your situation or your circumstance. You are not the brokenness going on around you or within you. Jesus 
wants you to lean into the love he has for you. Jesus wants to remind you of the sacrifice that he made because of that love. Jesus wants his child to be made whole by that love. So how do I know? How do I know that his love is real, that it's true? How do I know that he's the perfect parent? Well, first of all, the word tells us so. But secondly, I have had a front row seat to the brokenness that these middle school, high school, and college students are facing. Yet I have seen how God, our heavenly father, the perfect parent, has done such a mighty work in their lives that they go from the quiet girl in the back of the youth room who barely says a word, who lives in a home with parents unsupportive of her faith in God to a girl who wants to graduate early so she can pursue ministry. I've held another student in my arms in this very sanctuary as she through tears explained the depression and the anxiety and the inability to get out of bed she was experiencing because of the brokenness of an abusive father. And I watched that girl come to know God, accept his love, get baptized, and become one of the strongest leaders of our college ministry who wants to go on and be a missionary and a Christian counselor. And on top of that, had a mom who watched online during first service, called that girl weeping, said that she pulled out her Bible for the first time in years. It's all because these students came to not only know God, but to accept the love of their Heavenly Father. And my husband, Tyler, he shared this with our youth and college students a couple weeks ago. And I knew I needed to share it with you guys today because the reality is that we are all children of God. We're all kids in his eyes. So when I was on maternity leave, I came downstairs and I saw Tyler and Hazel on the couch. And Tyler had Hazel in his arms. He was holding her. And he looked up at me and he said, she was crying, and so I just held her, and I said, shh, it's okay, I love you. And I thought, how cool is it that God does the exact same thing for us? And I thought, wow, even if you're a parent, you are a child of your Heavenly Father. And he wants to remind you of the love that he has for you. You are not the perfect parent. He is, so let him be. God's saying, shh, I know your home life is a wreck right now. It's okay. I love you. I know you're struggling with your child's disability. Shh, it's okay. I love you. I know your family just received that medical diagnosis. Shh, it's okay. I love you. Well, I feel alone in my home and I'm the only one giving effort. Shh, it's okay. I love you. My marriage is falling apart. I don't know what to do. Shh. It's okay. I love you. My spouse has an addiction. It's starting to affect the kids. Shh. It's okay. I love you. I can't do it all. I'm not the perfect parent. Shh. It's okay. I am. I love you. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? There are people in this room who haven't truly accepted the love of their heavenly father. And you've been striving and you've been chasing, but not after God's love. And you don't feel like you're enough because you're looking to the wrong things that have you feeling empty. The good news is that today is the day that you can say, yeah, I'm accepting the love that my heavenly father has for me. I'm accepting the love that Jesus displayed for me as he died on the cross for my sin and my imperfections. I am choosing today to be loved by the perfect if today is the day you want to commit your life to following Jesus and accept that love. Or you've fallen away and you want to recommit your life to him and run back to that love again. Into the arms of that perfect parent. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you today. Thank you. You can put those hands down. We're going to say a prayer and I want us all to say it together. Just think about the words and, and really mean them when we say them. So just repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be the King of my life take over every area. 
Take over every aspect. Help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise this morning for what he's done in this room. If you made that decision, we don't want you to walk it alone. If you could text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We'd love to cheer you on in this race of faith. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.
in this race of faith.